following message is from the 2020 Leader Summit in Louisville, Kentucky. For more information on Harbor Network, please visit www.harbornetwork.com. Ray, it's so good to be in your veritable wonder room of study and, and, and captured animals, etc. We won't give our friends a... Uh, a overall expanse, but trust me, this is a great place. But what's even more precious is our friendship. Yes. And uh, we've been given a uh, uh, impossible task in 12 to 15 minutes to cover some important topics about friendship. So I'm going to kind of be our travel guide and Thank walk you. through some of the things they've given us yeah. and just respond together to, to those of you joining us. We're so thankful for your conference. Hope that this is an encouragement to you. So, uh, of course, one of the first things about our friendship, I think it's remarkable and it's encouraging that it began after we were both 50. Yes. You know, 2004, you moved to town. Uh, I'm in a season of uh, burnout. We're both in transition. You're transitioning into a new place. And uh, as I've thought about that, you know, four things stand out to me that have marked these last 16 years that I want to thank you for and just underscore uh, for friendship, those of us you praying about friendship and those of you wanting to cultivate deeper. So you've given me vulnerability, which is much more than transparency. Transparency can just be the data a speaker uses because it's a good technique. But you've given me <laughs> vulnerability, which is your heart. You've given me accessibility, which has worked both ways. You've pursued me. You've called me. Mm-hmm. You've responded to my calls encouragement, uh, which is the only command in Scripture that says we're supposed to do this all the more as Jesus is approaching wow. us. Yeah. And then gospel thirst, without a doubt, um, you stay thirsty for more Jesus, and that just, I think, has been such a vital part of our friendship. Yeah. You know, Scotty, when I think of you as a friend, several things come to my mind. One is affirmation. Mm. Uh, you're, you're a uh, you know, some people just don't have the capacity. They don't have the freedom of heart mm. so to give themselves away that they can affirm others with a whole heart and in a compelling and captivating, uplifting way. You have that gift remarkably. You have been freed by our Lord deep inside such that you, I've, I've experienced you, you looking at me and you communicate that I matter to you. Yeah, you do. I mean, in a world where I I, I don't matter to many people. Yeah. None of us does. And between this world and here, between my two ears, I, I'm convinced I'm just an idiot. <laughs> and along comes Scotty Smith, who believes in me and affirms me, and I matter to him. Mm-hmm. That is oxygen well, to, uh, to my soul. I am profoundly thankful for that. Well, and I think it's a, a, may, a, a magnificent evidence of grace in you yes. that you have the freedom of heart to do that. Yeah. The other thing, Scotty, that is so striking to, uh, to me about you is um, uh, I, I believe when I look at a Christian man and he's hard to read, that's very tragic. Yeah. But when I look at Scotty Smith, you're easy to read. Yeah. I know what you believe. Yeah. I know what you stand for. I know what you're living for. Yeah. I know what you care about. Yeah. And and amazingly to me, I'm included in what you care about. And uh, so a man who is easy to read, you're not holding your cards close to your chest. You're not guarding yourself. Yeah. You're just living right out loud. Yeah. And uh, Scotty, that is why 
it's, it's not just that you are my friend and a friend to many others. That freedom of heart, that capacity for affirmation, that courage is uh, a large part of the reason, Scotty, why you are a spiritual father to this city. By being that way, Scotty, you have said to the whole city, you know, I'm no Messiah, but I am taking responsibility for the spiritual future of this city, one person at a time. Well, that's... uh... Your words are kind, and I'm glad that is the culture of this friendship. Speaking of which, the, the next thing our friends want us to respond to is just to talk a little bit about the vision of friendship. Here they are announcing new language, new name, and um, the culture of friendship is critical to them. And so when I think about uh, the vertical and horizontal vision of friendship, two things jumped out at me praying for our time. One, I thought of Eden, where it was clear that face-to-face relationship and side-by-side relationship are critical. I mean, our first parents are before the gaze of God, naked with no shame, which I think speaks more about their utter openness rather than, you know, clothing or no clothing. But then to be side by side with God moving into the world to fill the earth with his glory, I think uh, culture of friendship is defined there in the radical intimacy of Eden. Secondly, and I'll mention this and I want you to respond because you could preach three hours on this just occurred to me again, John 15, this remarkable statement from Jesus when he's with his own disciples. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For you know everything I learned from my father. Uh, The indicatives of Jesus's friendship with us really are to define our friendship with each other. Is that fair to say? It is, and I'm really struck by what a remarkable statement that is. I have called you friends. I've decided this. Yes. I'm redefining this. And you are my friends. I'm pulling you into my heart. Actually, if some of our friends are wondering, okay, I want that. I need that. I want to go deep with some people. Look around. Find the people that you, you, you respect, you trust, you see Christ is in them, the hope of glory. Call them your friends. Redefine the relationship. You know, my son Gavin said recently, in married sexual love, you take your clothes off. Mm -hmm. In real friendship love, you do something even harder. Mm -hmm. You take your mask off. Uh. And that is when Jesus said, I call you friends. He said, "Let's, let's take our masks off. Let's not hold back. Let's open up to each other. Romans 15, 7, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So the privilege that I have in Christ that every one of us has with some very precious friends is not just to say hi to Scotty Smith, but to welcome you into my reality such that if you were not in my life, I would feel diminished. Uh, Well, and you do that well and You've done that for me, like I said, going back even one of the first things. <clears throat> it's obvious. You, you sense, uh, and it's just the biblical category, calling in Scripture subpoena. Jesus says subpoena us into friendship, which means this. He wants it that much, so it's not a polite knocking on the door. Yes. And to know that in the gospel and our fellowship with the Lord, he wants us to go deeper in that friendship, which, again, transcends and forms and shapes our friendships with each other, which leads to this third category they've given us. 
uh, challenges and barriers of friendship in the church, starting with for lead pastors and their spouse. And wow, I immediately thought about that in the, in the years that Darlene and I served as lead pastor and spouse. So even picking up briefly in that language I used, face-to-face and side-by-side in Eden, we both know when we get so busy, the first of those two that goes is face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, lead pastors and wives uh, cultivating their own you know, friendship with Jesus, being intimate with him individually and collectively, but then uh, learning how to say yes and no to the pressures. And then secondly, uh, just making sure that lead pastors, lead pastor and spouse are dying to the approval suck. They can't be everybody's friend. But we, I think you'd agree, we've got to have some vital friendships in that role or we're going to suffocate. Another barrier is just self-importance. Yeah. And pastoral big dealness, a sense of career advancement. Yeah. And then when I get into that headspace, I start looking at other men through a lens of, um, advantage to myself, yeah. cost-benefit calculation. Yeah. And that is a very evil frame of mind. Uh-huh. And it's very binding, very limiting. How freeing it is, how relaxing it is to let that go, open up, and view another man as a precious ally in Christ who by his very, like Scotty Smith Scott, you don't realize how your presence in my life enriches me and encourages me. Scotty, for me to walk away from Jesus, walk away from my wife, everything I regard as sacred and glorious, would be a violation at many levels, but it would also let you down. Absolutely. It would let Scotty Smith down. I can't do that. Yeah. There's no way, God helping me, I will not break your heart. No, amen. You know, I want to go the distance yeah. because I owe Scotty Smith a life and death of faithfulness in Christ. Mm. And, and that connection, that sense of um, we're bound in this together. Yeah, absolutely. We're fighting for our, our spouse's heart. We're, we're fighting for each other's coupleship. We're, we're fighting to say... Let's make sure we've got these right models. And, and I'll just remember back to our longer conversation that our friends recorded. You said something so incredible. You said, you know, I'm either going to be impressive or I'm going to be known. I can't do both. And I think that's exactly what you're saying here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To be known, yeah, to be more present than impressive, to be more willing to be known in this kind of a friendship. Well, that leads into this next reflection. Again, each one of these could be a whole seminar, but... Uh, challenges and barriers to friendship for those on staff. So here's what occurred to me, a couple of things, looking, thinking back on experience. Gospel culture making must inform and shape our work on a staff, not replace that work. In other words, we've got work to do, right? And, and we can't see church staff simply as a kumbaya fest where we just show up. We have responsibility. But again, what you've done in Emmanuel that's been so important is to think about gospel culture shaping staff culture. Yes. So again, think about out loud about that a couple of moments of well, just staff relations. I think back to the shorter catechism, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I, I believe that's very insightful. Enjoyment is the key to life. Yeah. 
So coming together as a staff, we're going to enjoy the Lord. Yeah. We're going to enjoy the ministry. Uh, we're not going to sit here resenting it and how demanding it is. And, you know, why do we have to do this? Instead, we're going to enjoy the privilege of oh. it. And we're going to enjoy one another. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have fun together. Yeah. Um, I often say, uh, as we gather on Sunday mornings, to if I'm involved in the service and I gather with the people who are leading the service and the sound guys and everybody, say, hey, let's enjoy this today. Uh. When we're enjoying one another, we're enjoying the ministry, um, everybody relaxes, we come together, mm-hmm. and we're on the same team. Yeah. And we're walking into this team win together. Oh, that's so critical. Oh, gosh. And then the people coming in <clears throat> who are receiving the ministry of the staff, it just sort of changes the chemistry, and they enjoy it as well. So I, I, I think enjoyment is really Well, key. and that reminded me as you're talking, I was just reflected back on 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul shows, you know, in the body, in a staff, in a marriage, there's no place for inferiority complex yes. or superiority complex. Yeah. We're, we're pulling for each yeah. other. We're not competing. We think a gospel chart more than org chart. We know what we're each called to do, but we pull yeah. for each other. And celebrate each other, and I think yeah. that's just ah. Uh, oh, I mean, who would not who would not want to be part of a church staff that looked like that? Oh gosh, yeah. Another church member. So uh, challenges and barriers to friendship in the church. All right, here's a couple of thoughts I had. Covenant community isn't a gated community for mutual admiration. <laughs> Friendship's a calling, not just a luxury. Who is my neighbor? That's my friend. Be a neighbor, be a friend. And you said that earlier, but, you know, we, we, we would love to think that this gospel culture is going to permeate a local church, but that isn't always fun, is it? I mean, it's the hard and hard work of relationship. Well, we can't be an intimate friend with everybody, but <clears throat> we can have, I believe every, let's just think of us guys right now. Every Christian guy needs two guys yeah. in his city. Who know who know what he's really facing, and they know what uh, what is really going on inside him. So once a month, meet for coffee with one or two guys, maybe three, and say. And the, the only agenda is okay. Here's what isn't working in my life right now. Right. Here is here's the mo- here's what the uh, here's the most embarrassing thing I need to admit to you mm-hmm. right now. And when it starts getting embarrassing, mm-hmm. and when it starts becoming intense, and the affection begins to flow at such a level that we're awkward as guys, okay, now we're finally getting now somewhere. Now we're breaking through. <laughs> and when that happens, what you described is, especially when it happens in the leadership culture, that begins to become the oxygen and the yes. aroma of the whole church family. So yes. that friendship is far less about how many community groups do you have but what kind of life is being shared in those groups? Yes. And uh, that's what we want, is it not? Yeah. Can we confess our sins to yes. one another and pray for one another that we may be healed? Well, and that leads to the last in this one heading, and then we'll bring this puppy down with a few more little exhortations to the friendless. Um, so challenges and barriers for those who've been burned and experienced pain in friendship. And again, my thought is this. It is the price of loving well and the call to steward well. Stay in any relationship long enough and you will be disappointed and disappointing. Mm-hmm. So I think about, you know, Lewis's great quote that, you know, if you want to avoid the risk of pain, yes. don't love or, or avoid the risk of love. Don't be in relationship. Yes. But, you know, 
it's going to hurt, right, Ray? But at the same time, what do we do when we've been hurt in relationship? What, what's the wisdom about what we do with that? Wow. It's so true, Scotty. Thank you for, you know, just facing right into that. Um, we know that ultimate reality, we, the, the entry point for accessing ultimate reality is death and resurrection. Yes. And we just want to accept the, the traumas and risks, uh, deeply accept the price that friendship is going to require of us, yes. the cost that we're going to pay. But what if we didn't? Oh. I mean, Scotty, what a privilege it is to go through life and get our heart broken. Amen. Wow. Would we wow. want it any other way? Uh, uh. Because there's resurrection. And resurrection. As the well, promise of that. Well, as you were speaking, it reminded me of my uh, main spiritual father in life, Jack Miller, who, who at the end of his life said to me and a lot of his uh, protégés, sons and daughters, risk or rust. Yeah. And that, that <laughs> image of, you know, to risk friendship, which means a move towards it, knowing that in the gospel, there is ultimate redemption. And, 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 and God is committed to make each of us like Jesus, not Uncle Fred. So of course it's going to hurt in the process of change and really yes. realizing how clumsy we are at loving well. But absolutely, uh, it's not optional. We're called to love yeah. and sacrifice that we might look outwardly to a world and really welcome sinners and not just endure them. So, Amen. Which yeah. lastly leads me to this. So uh, this has been such a not a it's a blast, but more important, reminded me how thankful I am for you, Ray. Oh, uh, you, last thing we're supposed to do is briefly offer words, exhortation, applications for those uh, without this kind of deep friendship. And immediately when I saw this, when Dave Owen sent it, I thought of an old clip. And some of you watching are too young to remember a man named Bob Newhart, and he was a uh, he was a psychologist that had this uh, kind of clumsy show. It was filled with his very uh, dry sense of humor. But one day there was a, a scene where a, a client came into him and talked. she talked about how she, depressed she was, how sad she was. And he paused and then he simply said, well, stop doing that. And in a sense, when I think about those of us that have no friends, I want to say, stop doing that. You know, and I don't mean to be cliche or trite, but it's just not an option to walk alone, is it, Ray? Yeah, well, if you want to give the devil a bad day, go make a friend. There you go. And wow. and to rejoice the heart of the Father, go make a friend. Um, we are not going to get through this on our own. No. If we stay on our own and just take our risks and um, um, minimize our losses, I, we won't we won't go the distance. But I deeply believe. In these momentous days for us as a nation, every single one of us has been sent into this place in this time by God on mission. And the one thing we must do is stick together. Amen. If we will not fragment, but just stick together, lock arms and refuse to turn away from each other, we'll get through this. Absolutely. All the way into the new earth. Yes. Secondly, uh, final word for those who are in friendships that are shallow, but want them to go deeper. And I just would say to all of us in that place, and hopefully none of us are just completely satisfied with where our friendships are, 
be the gospel pace setter in your friendships. In other words, if I lead with my own repentance, if I lead with my uh, risk, if I, if I really move towards uh, giving the gift of vulnerability and transparency and sharing of life as you have with me, I think, is, is that not some wisdom for going deeper in our friendships? Wonderful. And we, we are on a starvation diet of friendship. Yes. And one way to break through <clears throat> is James 5.16, which we alluded oh. to a moment ago. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. To whom do you confess your sins? Who is praying for you at that real level? Are you experiencing healing? So if you're not satisfied with where you are with your friends, start confessing your sins to them. Tell them what isn't working in your life. Tell them where you've hit the wall. Tell them how your heart is broken. Ask them to pray for you. They will not say no. (laughs) They will so care for you. They will pray for you. You will start to experience healing. And then they'll start confessing their sins. And you're going to find yourself in a great place together. Well, and and that really captures the final question in front of us. So for those of us that have good friendships, that want them to go even deeper and bear fruit, uh, exactly what you just said, then I thought, just to make sure that we really are dreaming missionally together. I mean, what could be more boring than just have an ingrown friendship of sharing favorite uh, pipe tobacco and, uh, and, and, and not really risking more mission together? You know, church planning, uh, putting ourselves in places where the gospel better be true or we are toast. Uh, so, and you know, bearing fruit is going to be living on mission with Jesus because he is the one making all things new. There's another reason why I love you and respect you. <clears throat> you have a great heart for uh, um, and seeing the gospel surge forward mm-hmm. in our time. You have a great heart for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You have a great heart for seeing the glory of Christ spread over the whole world. That's so exciting. Well, I don't want to be around guys Well, like you, that. you've given me that gift. I told you, uh, and you see my notes are folded now, so we're winding this down. <laughs> you know, Ray, I read you before I met you, your meditations through Romans, uh, your commentary on Isaiah, your uh, work in Isaiah's narratives of praying for revival. So may that gospel continue to be so alluring, so hope-filling in our hearts so that our friendship you know, whichever one of us can see other to the ground first, it will be, wow. uh, it won't be burnout. It will be flame out because of the doxology, the beauty of Jesus, just further expanding our hearts as we're smelling the grass of the new earth barreling towards us. So, brother, thank you so much. I love thank you. Thank you, Scotty. Bless you, our friends. Hope your whole conference goes well, and we look forward to serving you any way we can. God bless.